Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Cholmoy. It's Monday afternoon. I've got Moed, and uh, I want to talk about a, something I spoke in my show, an overarching theme or two of uh, Pesach, uh, being sponsored once again by the Mishpachas Gluck, which is now in Eretz Yisrael for Pesach. They're keeping in touch with me, keeping in touch with them, but I uh, wish them a, a, a gratitude and a, a good time in Eretz Yisrael. I know they're going to all the uh, Makomos. If you can uh, do that, that's great. Um, but I'll get right down to business. Uh, as I said, overarching thing, I'll be telling you something I consider to be very ironic, and that is the following. The, like I say, I'll just jump right into it. Uh, there's a famous statement that goes, well, let, let me put it this way. I was in, uh, pushed to do this by the Haftorah. The Haftorah this week, let me get a, a copy of it. The Haftorah this week, Meaning what we read yesterday, second day of Pesach, was about Pesach Yoshio, as they call it. How Yoshio Melchiuda, the king, Josiah, one of the late kings, um, reformed the temple and all the rest of it and made an unbelievable Pesach. There are two accounts, basically, in the Nevi'im uh, Suvim about two uh, from kings that tried to reverse all the Vodizar that was rampant. Rampant, I say, in the time of the first temple. And um, I made myself a couple of notes of pages to refer to from the Book of Malachim, the Book of Devarim, as I go through this. So everything I'm talking about, if I mention a page, it'll be in the art scroll, fancy schmancy with the Nakudas, whatever they call that, set of the Mikroskadolas, because I like that, as you know. But anyway, we read yesterday, if you're in Chutzlarts anyway, we read uh, the Haftorah about uh, Yoshiahu, and... In the time of Bayez Rishon, um, as you know, the kingdom split into two, and the north, forget about it, because it was all about Azar from day one, meaning it was the golden calf of Yoram ben which they continued all the way through, and in the south it was 50-50, and that's being generous, meaning that in the king of Yehuda, I assume that most of my readers know what I'm talking about, at least in a general sense, in the kingdom of Yehuda, so, you know, a lot of bad, there were a lot of bad kings, who corrupted the temple and stuffed it full of Avodah And then there were a few good ones. So there are two accounts, A and B, about two Frum kings who tried to undo the Avodah and do Pesach, right? One was Chizkiel and one's Yoshio. The thing is, most people never heard of Chizkiel because it's in Divrei Yomim, which is in Ksuvim, and you don't do Haftoras from the Ksuvim, only from the Vim. On the other hand, and for whatever reason... The story that you find in, in Dibriyama about the fantastic Passover of King Chizkiel, which I'm sure I did in recent in, in, in past years, you just don't there's no mention of it in Malachim. By contrast, when it comes to King Yoshiahu, who was under similar circumstances, as we shall see, um, you do find that his great Passover, which was accompanied by a radical cleaning of the house of the base Migsha of all the junk is in both. It's in Divriyamim as well as in uh, Mlochim. 
So since it's in Melachim, which is in the Nevi'im, so we do use it for Haftorah on Pesach. Even the Gemara Miguel talks about the fact he uses it. It's old custom. So what's going over here? <clears throat> Very briefly, you had in the South, I'll talk about the North later, you're talking in the South, that's the Malchus Yehuda, the Malchus based of it. They had the base of Mikdash. Presumably they had Sanhedrin and this other stuff also. Yeshivas, as we would call it today. But Alpha BK, you had the a long run of bad kings and bad people the, among the Am, and uh, it was major of Udazar. That's just how it goes. The only thing is, every once in a while, you might have a king who turns around uh, or tries to turn things around. None of them really succeeded, but they did. They gave the old school try. And Yoshio is a classic example. Very briefly, there had been some really bad kings. Uh, there are four biggies. There's Ochaz, Menasha, Omon, and uh, Yoyakim. The Gemara of the Sanhedrin talks about this. But you can just read the Bible, and you know every Christian knows this. <laughs> and they were wicked, wicked. In other words, it wasn't simply that they uh, were syncretistic, and they worshipped Hashem plus also idols as well. But it seems, based on the Torah of Bixam and Torah of that they actually were out to destroy Judaism. Okay, uh, and it's a look in the, you know, Kol Yisro Yeshlam Chelik you know, the mission over there in the last Perikos on Edrin, and Arba, uh, what's the Arba Lachem Shloshad Yodas, I think that's the expression, and it would include a lot of these uh, guys. So, Ochaz, uh, Menasha, Amon, and Yoyakim. But they're not consecutive. Ochaz was super anti from and was followed by San Chizkiah, who tried to reverse it. I'm not going to talk about that today. But when Chizkiah died, all of his efforts were for naught, because his son was Menasha, who ruled for 55 years, which was longer than any other king. And under his time, it says he screwed everybody over because he made them unfrom. No, it's not only he was unfrom, but he made everybody unfrom. And there are references later on in Malachim and Devarim to the effect that Menasha messed everybody over that they never recovered from his uh, damage. Uh, is a debate. It's not clear whether Menasha changed in the middle of his reign. Let's be generous and say Menasha switched and did chew in the middle of his reign. It didn't mean anything. When I say it didn't mean anything, in other words, it was a personal decision, and he and, and it didn't. And the people he already put off the derech stayed off the derech use from language so and he was succeeded by his son Amon who was worse than the father that's what the Chazal say and therefore you have a situation where the son obviously grew up was influenced by the father's lifestyle prior to the father doing tshuva which happens in life right I mean I've seen a number of times and so have you let's say not everybody becomes a Baal Shuvah at 15 or 20 some people come Baal Shuvah at 50 and 60 so let's say somebody was 60, just for example, or 55, and he or she or the couple become Bali Chuba. It's not fair to expect their kids are going to become Orthodox, correct? They were raised for the last 20, 30 years, you know, not from. So the parents made a personal decision and more power to them, but don't expect, you know, that the whole family is automatically going to switch off no more, uh, you know, cheeseburgers, you see? So that's what happened over here. Menasha was super bad news. Super duper bad news. Just look it up yourself if you want to see. Almond was worse. The fact that Benash later became from in life, if that's true, didn't affect Almond. Almond was there for two years and then was assassinated. And then his son was eight years old as Yoshio became the king. So naturally, Yoshio was born and grew up not from. No, it was anti from. As a matter of fact, not knowing about Judaism at all. And for some reason, when he hit 16 years old, he started to change. And by 20, 
you know, he was from. Presumably some NCSY type situation got a hold of him when he was in middle years. I, I've spoken about it before. I don't want to get I don't want to get into that now because that'll take up time. But let's just say that he by the time of twenty he got really from and then he launched an attack on all the Vodazar, which was super uh entrenched, it was Shakua in the kingdom of Yehuda. The kingdom of the north didn't exist anymore, they were wiped out, but the kingdom of the south was still there. And he went he made a full court press. And that is our Haftorah yesterday. When we talk about the famous Passover, because basically he wouldn't do Karm Pesach now that he's from. How are you going to do that in the base of Mixer? Was it chock full of idols? And so the whole thing yesterday was, you know, he said, you know, we're going to start to be from now. Lohakim is called Sefer Torah, etc., etc. And uh, if you have an art scroll, I'm just reading from the art scroll of Moxer, page 434. all the Kohanim. To get rid of all the kalim in the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodoshim and the Hechel. <laughs> and the Hechel. Right? So these guys put stuff in Kodesh Kodosh or whatever, uh, which were made for Baal Vasher, And he burned them and so forth and so on. The Hishbis is a Kamarim. And then he had to fire whole groups of clergymen. No, it was not the Kohanim were supposed to do the Hashem stuff, but Kamarim priests who handle the idol worship that was conducted in the base of Megdash. The Hishbis, there's the word Tashbiso, that he fired the Kumarim, Asher Nosim Al Yehuda, by Kajabomas, Sabihud, Amakatram Labal, Ulashemesh, Layareh, Lamazol, Hotsuashmaim. See, he had to get rid of all the bad personnel that was in the Temple Mount. And he get they had the Asher out there, which is either a tree that was worshipped or more likely the uh, the sex god of the Canaanites, the uh, Asherah, like the, the female part of Baal. Uh, on Nachal Kidron and so on and so forth, and then it says Vayitzos is Bati Hakadeshim Asher Beis Hashem. That's what led me thinking that he had to destroy, knock down on the Temple Mount inside the Beis Hamikdash, a whole bunch of chambers that were put up there. That this is not baby what you learn in, in Masech Desmidos, you know, with the Yovi Long book Lishkas Apalhedrin, Lishkas uh, you know Hakatoris, uh, whatever they had over there, Lishkas Agazis, and by his reason they had Lishkas Lishkas Hagay. Right? The Kedeshim, not Kedeshos, they're male prostitutes. Male prostitutes. Right? The art school, they want to say uh, idolaters, but they say, okay, Rashi says male prostitute, fine. Um, so for some reason, there was an outbreak of this business, and they had a whole headquarters uh, chambers in the base Hashem, in the base of Migdash, and he had to get rid of that. I showed Nashagashim, and the women, when it wasn't used for gay purposes, the women used it to weave. Uh, curtains for Asherah. Oh boy, you know, can imagine. And on and on and on. And that's only a piece of it because the Haftorah skips. It doesn't go into detail of each and every idol they got rid to. If you want to see it yourself, get Melachim Bay's, I think, chapter 23, I believe. And there you go into all the details. If that's something, you know, that, you want to, that, 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 that interests you, which it should. Which it should. Okay. So this made me think because um, then he had a Passover the like of which he never had before. But consider this well. I want to raise the following question. What was Pesach like for the Jewish people in time by Yisrishon? And you're going to see, I'm going to make the point now, that Pesach was a syncretistic business a lot of the time, too, way too much more than it should have been. Meaning the carbon Pesach was part of a Zara. In other words, this is it. Like a guy would say today, I go to church, I go to synagogue on Saturday, I go to church on Sunday, <laughs> you know? I keep kosher. Tuesday night, I'll have to have shrimp <laughs> like that. So, 
This is what you had in Pais Rishon? In other words, if Yoshio is getting rid of this, it's not to say necessarily nobody did a Karm Pesach. They did a Karm Pesach in, in, under Menashe and Om and these other guys, right in the middle of the Bate Kedeshan and who knows, whatever. So basically, it's like having, nowadays you have these uh, gay Sedarim or a pro-PLO Seder. They got everything now, you know. For all I know, you have a pro-Hitler Seder. You know, get it? I put a, another fruit on the table. It's As we know, this is the type of times we live in today. If you follow the news, you know, and uh, and, and that sort of thing, you, you know this goes on. So this made me do a little bit of thinking. And that'll take us back to the beginning. When, when did all the trouble start? Uh, when we have the first... When do you have the first outbreak of Kedeshim? And the answer is right after the death of Shlomo Melch in the kingdom of Yehuda. And I, by my calculation, called Bechomer the kingdom of Israel. That's the gay prostitutes, not female. That's bad enough. The female's bad enough, but this is even worse. What's well, shot? You know, like, what is that? So, in order to do this, uh, I would go to page 268 in Melachim Aleph. Let me get over here. And. It basically, we start talking about how you rub them in the butt. Um, switched the uh, religion. I think everybody knows the story that you in the butt persuaded the tribes who had tainas against the Malchus based of it because uh, of the forced labor imposed on by King Solomon to break away and start his own kingdom. But at that point, once he set up his own kingdom with the ten tribes, then he started interfering with the religion. Right? It's very famous. Page 266. I'm afraid that now sentiment will go and the tribes will go back to base David, to the, to the south. If the people go in Shalosh Regalim to Yerushalayim, then they'll sentimentally go back to the Malchus base David to, to, to Rechavim, which was the David guy. Haraguni and they'll kill me and they'll go back to Rechavah. So in order to prote- protect his own rear end, he, he said like this, I'm, I'm going to arrange it that they don't go anymore to the Beis HaMikdush. I'm going to set up a different religion which doesn't involve Shalosh HaGon and I'm going to put in a Berlin Wall running all across Israel from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River and it'll be impossible physically for anybody to go south to do Karm Pesach and that kind of thing. So listen very closely. The king took counsel, meaning he consulted people. He made two It's enough already. You've been going to Yushalayim. That's over. Here's it. He used the language of Moshe of Aaron. You know, the, the, I mean, the, the, the Jewish people time it goes off. And it worked. So basically, you know, he uh, he 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 led Kaliyisrael off the Derechot as We call him. That's why he's one of the people. The question is, what does it mean? He took counsel and came up with this idea. So Stamazar, you say like this: He got together with a bunch of schmoes, bad people. They say gets a how to break away, and they came up with this evil uh, design. The Radak very interestingly says, Shaal Eitz He asked counsel, his counselors, what to do. And they came up with the idea of making two eglazos. The Radak says, Pito 
he was able to persuade them cleverly. Rabbam said, with a good argument, that you know that there had been a prophecy by a real prophet, by Achi HaShaloni, that I would be king one day. Notice that the Malchus would break into two. Many of you will be familiar with the story that Shalom Melch messed up, and therefore Achia Shiloni was a real Novi, a Tariq, encountered Yerobim and said, you're going to be the next king, he tore off part of his coat, and so forth. So obviously you see that Hashem doesn't want the Malchus based David anymore. Certainly for most of Klai Yisrael, for Lerotza, Gam came to Yerushalayim, Shul Malchus based David. And if Hashem doesn't want the Malchus based David, then he obviously doesn't want the seat, the capital city of Malchus based David, which is Yerushalayim, including the temple. Otherwise, God would not have arranged that I should become king. In Cain, so just like Hashem wants me to replace the Malchus based David, me, Yerovah, obviously Hashem must also want something to replace the base of Mikdash in Yerushalayim. So then let's all go and make another substitute for the base of Mikdash. And why Dafkin Egel? Aram made the Egel because they thought Moshe was dead. And that means, he, Yeruvim argued, that just like Claudius Yisrael when Moshe was gone, when Moshe was there, so Moshe was the conduit for the Shechina. He was talking to God all the time. But if Moshe is dead, which is what they saw, so then they need something else. So the eagle was there. So he made a golden calf, uh, made a golden calf to bring the Shechina down in, in the way they figured, which would take the place of Moshe. So in other words, the sin, Yerom argued, the sin was not that they made a golden calf, which is another god. The sin is that they were too quick to believe that Moshe was dead. Had Moshe not been, I mean, had Moshe really died, then the eagle would have been appropriate. But they but they were yakas. Since Moshe was late for five minutes, they freaked out and made Egel Azov. And, uh, and then Moshe really came down and, uh, and and all hell broke loose. That was the big sin. So this was the spin that Yerovan put on the Egel Azov episode. Which, if you buy into it, means... And by the way, I want to remind you, Yerobim and what we're told, was in learning, was one of Gedoli Ador. No, he knew how to learn very well. Okay? Otherwise, he wouldn't be. So, he was able to use this kind of logic to say the Egozov is basically legitimate. The problem in the story was, you know, bad timing, or they didn't wait for Moshe, and things like that. But now, therefore, uh, that Hashem has chosen me and broken the kingdom in two, that means God doesn't want Yerushalayim. So let's make an Egel Azov. Because obviously, Hashem doesn't want Yerushalayim anymore. In his reading of it, it wasn't an Avodah Zarah, but rather was a, a thing to track the Shechina, to connect to God, as we would say today, in the absence of a Moshe. So now I want to connect to God in the absence of a, of a Beis Amigdash. Okay? Um, and as, as you know, it worked. Now, that's a theological question that I just discussed. A theological question. How to touch up 
the episode of the Eagles, which, by the way, is very original. I don't think most people, when it comes to, I could, I could give this word if we were doing Parsha Seesaw, but now in Pesach time, so I'm doing it for a different reason. And side by side with the Radak is the Rabag, right? And Rabag also says, Ki'ilu hitu osam, for that now that you don't have a base amigdash, because God rejected that, he said. So this is the way to go. Now you'll do it in the absence of base amigdash. Okay? Now, um, the Ralbag, and this is very relevant to what I want to say, raises the question, as do others, how could a guy like Yerom get away with this? That right after the death of David and Shlomo, who were two from guys, as 80 years, two from guys, they flip and make Avodazor or Eglazov. Even if you tie it, you know, they give a spin on Eglazov. I mean, would people fall for this kind of argument today? I don't know, it's a little bit shaky. And different, the Redox is something that's most remarkable, particularly in light of contemporary Orthodox sociology. This is the Rabbach talking. Uminapela. It's astonishing. Eches Kim Yisrael Aksoso. How could they go against the halacha lemaisa? They're gonna, you know, they want the base to make sure they're there, no more bummers. Golly, these are man. How can you use somebody's not a coin? And how could they say whatever spin you want to put on it? Really, we just had Pesach, right? We're in the middle of Chomay. We just had the Seder. I mean, they're tiny. Listen well. That it was the Egel Azov in some fashion that did the Makas Bechorus. It was the Egel Azov who did Vavarti Beretz Mitzrayim Anivu Lamalch Anilu Sarf. It was the Egel Azov who forced Paro to buckle at his knees and give in and say, Get out of here? Really? Right? So the Rabbach says, I think, meaning I'm speculating. And what appears to me, and the Rabbach, by the way, is usually considered a left winger. That during the time of Shlomo Melch, everybody got rich. And when they got rich, they went into what we call luxury lifestyle. From, in other words, Pesa Hotel, you know, with the ultimate luxuries and the whole nine yards, because the Pusik says, There's a Pusik like that, which says, In the time of Shlomo Melch, They're partying all the time. Again, the caterer was kosher, they made a bench egg, they did all that kind of stuff, but they got used to a very luxurious lifestyle. And a luxurious lifestyle cannot help but degrade the moral sense. Because you end up, you know, uh, following your tithes, even if it's 100% within the law. And this is how it degenerated into the sins that we're talking about over here, idolatry and the other things, right? So in other words, the very fact that they had the money to burn and they could have a lifestyle which whatever they wanted to do, they could do, even if it's true that it was usually confined within the, you know, within the Shulchan Aruch, as they say, they didn't do anything that was, against, that, that was violated Shulchan Aruch, but it's not in the spirit of things. You know, it's not something Kanyeski would do, that that kind of language. Just because you got the money doesn't mean you do it. And think of the effect it has on you, especially your children. That's the point. Think of the effect it has on the kids. 
Plus, in addition, it is true that they saw when Shlomo was a king, certainly in the second half, when he married all these shikses, It's a fact that Shlomo married all these foreign princesses. The Gerus was pro-forma. They built churches. Uh, it says they built churches in the Harizasim, which remained there until Yoshio, was a couple hundred years. And this Baal and commotion, you know, all this sort of thing. It's a few chapters early in Malachim. And if they had princesses who worshipped the, the Hittites and the Moab and the Ammon, and all that, these were, let me put it this way, this is not a Protestant church over here where you simply go in and sing hymns. Uh, they were into all kind of sexual things. And Shlomo let it go. And the Rabbach says, parts of These churches, by which he means the practices that were permitted in those churches, with all the kind of sex things that went along with there, parts of it spread like a cancer. Okay? It spread like a cancer, because that's what happens. You, one thing leads to the other, and the good, the good doesn't crush the bad, the bad crushes the good. And so what do you see over here? Right? That was on page 268. And then now I'll take you to page 296, the skip drill. And we're talking about the time of Yoram Ben-Nevot, and therefore of Rechavam. And now I'm talking about the kingdom of the south, which had the base of Migdash. So this should have been the better half. And there you should have had, so to speak, carbon Pesach without any interference. And what it says, and again, I'm reading from Malachim in chapter 14. And it says, Rechavam was the king in the south. And what, how would you? And Shlomo had just died, so he had eighty years. David and Shlomo. That the people of Yehuda went off the derech big time, and they angered God more than all the predecessors together. Notice they really got into sins that hadn't been done before. Really? Why? And by even a bomb all over the place, and they had this wave of male prostitution, prostitutes sweeping through the kingdom of Yehuda. They did all the Canaanite practices. Right? It says, now the language is a little bit funny. It says, If you want to fight me, you could say, Kodesh doesn't necessarily mean Kodeshin, like it says later on by, by uh, Yoshiho. But, you know, but on the other hand, the Chazal say it's, it's Mishka Zachar. Because in this uh, nice edition of the art scroll, with the Nikudas, they always have at the bottom, Likuti Ashas Medrashat They bring you the relevant Chazals, somewhat in the style of the Torah Tmima. Now I'm looking over here from the Gemara, Sanhedrin Nun Dalid, and also in the Yushalmi in the Sifri. And the Gemara says, what does it mean? Begam Kodesh Hoyabaritz. I'll say it again. This is in the south, in the king of Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Where do you have the prohibition against homosexuality? Talmud Lomer, And our Pasuk, So our Pasuk is one of the two Makoras for the Isser. Because whenever you have uh, these kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, sins, you get a foreign invasion. Okay? And it's also in the Sifri, it says, that, you know, um, that's in the Hazinu. 
זה משקב זוכר וכן אומר גם קודש הוי בארץ. That's in Sifri in Hazinu. So clearly, for some reason, the time of Rechavah, long before Yoshio came along, hundreds of years, Recham was the very first of the kings of Yehuda. Yoshio was around 17, 18, something like that, 15, 16, 17, much later. And you had the ways of this junk. It doesn't say in the time of Rechavah exactly what it says by uh, Yoshio, that they already bought the Akadashim Babes HaMikdosh, but who the heck knows? All I know is that you have this problem. Now, what was the result? Here's the point that made me think about this in the context of Pesach. What was the result? We are told, listen closely, it's very famous that the Jewish people got out of Egypt. Why? What was their zechus? They did a lot of other What's the zechus? Shloshinu l'shonom, shloshinu shmom, and shloshinu gedur min Many people think that there is a girsa shloshinu malbushom. I believe that's incorrect. That's like a common misconception. What it actually says is that there are four reasons the Jews got out. If you look in the original covers, and one is Shaloshin Lashonom, they didn't change their language, Shaloshin Lashmam, Shalohoya Dela Turin, that there was basically no telling on each other with the rarest of exceptions, you know, knows what they did the most was unusual, uh, you know, the Dosan of Irem, and Shalohoya Gedun Barayas, hear that? That they picked up, this is, this is really no gate of Pesach, it's very interesting, if that's true, I think it's Michilda. What he's saying is something most remarkable. Klal Yisrael, we say Menta Sharitumah. Okay? What was the 50 Sharitumah they didn't get into? You can learn a hundred different ways, but I'm going to tell you the Pashib shot as, as I understand it. That's all I can ever get into. They were in the 49 level of Tumas, but they didn't hit, the, didn't hit 50, which was the sexual stuff. Isn't that interesting? Shagadurim Barayas. Because it says, only Shlomus Basdivri, you know, it mentions her by name. So that's the exception. Right? So, I know we usually don't think of the 50 Shari Tumma this way, but I think that's a mistake. I believe we should. The 50 Shari Tumma would be the sex stuff. So the Jews were in Egypt for a long time, and their mashpia on them, the Egyptian culture, no question about it. And they got into idolatry and worship of the devils, and my goodness, Egypt is chock full of nuts. They had every kind of avodazari you can think of. I mean, that's not a rhetorical expression on my part. If you know a little bit about Egyptology, a little bit. I know a little bit. You know, they worship pussy ants. I mean, it's crazy. The level of the avodazara and the, and the connection with the dead and all the rest of it. But the midstream were also into Arias big time. And the Jews not. I have no idea why. It's just very interesting, right? Very interesting. You could learn, I mean, if you want to do a dry Torah, you could say, this is the meaning of the Nashim Tzidkaniyas, who, I don't know how to explain this, made it their business that the husbands wouldn't be interested in this other stuff. So this is the real Nashim Tzidkaniyas. Uh, that's a whole discussion by itself, but whatever the reason was, they were doing by rice. Again, it's not my vort, the Michilta says it, the Gemara. So, somehow or other, they didn't get into the Arias business. And as you know, it says in Achrimos, which we're going to read soon, and starts to tell you all the incest business and all this other junk, all this sexual business. And Hashem is, now you might say like this, 
why do you have to warn him about it? If they if they're Gedurim and Arias in Egypt, you see they weren't into that kind of stuff. You didn't find somebody wanted to do with his mother, you know, something like that. And the the sad answer goes like this. In Egypt they wouldn't do it, but maybe when they get there to Israel, they might want to do it. Isn't that like the after the barn? What's the expression? You close the door and then too late? I mean they already left um Mitzrayim. Yeah, you want to know something? You can take the guy out of Egypt can't take Egypt out of the guy. You see? For whatever reason, in Mitzrayim, they're Gedurim by Rice. After Mitzrayim, they were not Gedurim by Rice. There you have it. After Mitzrayim, they're Gedurim by Rice. At least from time to time. And Kadeshim would be a perfect example. The gay business would be a perfect example of Mitzrayim. Now, this. so you got out of Egypt because you were Gedurim by Rice. So that means if you go to Israel and you get into those kinds of arise, those kind of particular set of sexual practices, you're going to go back to Egypt or Egypt is going to come to you. And that's where I'm going with this. Right? In other words, you will no longer be able to keep the distance between you and Egypt. And what happens to Rehavim? Uh The Pusik says, it's very famous, after it tells you that, you know, there was Kaddish over here. In fact, I'll read it from Divrei Yaman because there they have a fuller account. Uh, it's necessary for Rechavim and some of these kings to read both to get, uh, you know, uh, the full picture. Divrei Yaman, Aniva Malkam Ech, Vashim Malkam And if you want to get the business over there, let me just see over here. Um, page 468. In Divrei So, listen to this. It's talking and you know how it works. You have uh, two books, Malachim and Devarim. First of all, they sometimes supplement each other, complement each other. But in addition to that, the Devarim is primarily about the kings of the south, with a little bit about the kings of the north, and the book of Malachim is the opposite. So, when it gets to Rechavim, who's the first king of the south, it talks about the fact that Rechavim screwed up and lost the kingdom because he alienated the ten tribes uh, and all that. And when that happened, Rechavim wanted to recover the, the 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 rule of the kingdom, but it was came clear that he couldn't do it. And then he was afraid for himself, and so he strengthened the south. At least he should have that. Uh, and it says, as part of his political plans to consolidate his position in the south, uh, he played from. Let's put it that way: he played from, but it was baloney. I'm in chapter Yud Beis in, in Divriyam Beis. Once he was successful in, in consolidating his kingship, <laughs> then he went up to Derek. In other words, until I make my first 10 million, I'm going to go to Shul every day. Once I make my 10 million, heck with it, right? So what was the result? It was an, an Egyptian invasion. So he switched. If you do the Seder Olam stuff, he switched from being from to being unfrom. I'll tell you again, he never meant it in the first place. He switched to be from unfrom in the fourth year of his kingdom, and the following year was an invasion by Egypt. There was an invasion by Egypt. So here we go. You left Egypt, but now Egypt's coming to you. You met you. You introduced Egyptian sexual practices. You have the Kedushim. Guess what? You ain't going to be out of Egypt anymore. Uh, and if Hashem promised 
I won't send you back to Egypt. I never promised I won't send Egypt to you. <laughs> right? And and the invasion consisted of Elfam Asaim Rechab, the 1,200 chariots. The chariot at that time was like a tank, so it was a big deal. The old warfare. It was Shishim El Parashim and 60,000 cavalry. That is a huge amount for the ancient world. Ve'en Mispar, the Lama Sherboi Mitzrayim, and the infantry was innumerable. Lubim Sekum Kukushim. They had Libyans, Ethiopians, and I don't know, Suki, and whatever that is. And they invaded the country like a locust plague. And they invaded and captured all the fortified cities in Judah. See, you had a holocaust going on over there. Because these guys came in and destroyed everything and killed the people. You reading what's going on in Putin now and what the Russians do to Ukrainians? Well, just here, that happened to the Jews. They reached the gates of Jerusalem. Okay? Now, in Divrayam, it says that at that point, Shmaya Novi Yokbal Rechavah, a certain Novi came to Rechavah, and he said, you're getting this, Komar Hashem, Atem Azav Temosi, and the Azav Tiyaskambi Ashishak. You, you went after, you, you, you dumped me, I'm dumping you. In other words, you don't like keeping, uh, uh, you know, the, the Gidre Arias? Okay, you deal with Shishak. That's all. They, the, the king and the nobles did the right thing. They did what you and I called Shuvah Meira. They said Hashem is right. And when Hashem saw that they repented, even if they repented, as I say, before only under pressure, so he said, okay, I won't destroy him. I'll make sure that you, you survive. And, you know, you'll see what it's like serving Shishak. So Shishak marched on Jerusalem. But he didn't take the city. They bought him off by giving him everything of value. So basically they said, come on in and take whatever you want. They had no choice. He took all the money that was stashed away by Shlomo and all this kind of stuff. The Egyptian army took it. And he had even took Shlomo's golden shields, which are like ridiculous, you know. That's mom's just going for show. You know, uh, a shield, of course, is, you know what I mean, a shield is uh, it's supposed to protect you. It's made out of gold. It's no good. It's too weak. But anyway, and he, and he, that's where the story basically ends. That's where the story ends. Now, it so happens, now I've recorded over here an invasion by Mitzrayim of Yisrael. Notice this is a postscript to Passover. All the time that the Jews had left since since Pesach, all during the period of Shoftim, and in the time of David and Shlomo, you didn't have Egyptians coming to Israel. There were no Egyptian invasions. But now you get it. Now you get one. In the time of Rechavim. It's one of the problems, of course, we have with the biblical account of the Exodus and all the rest of it. There's no evidence of it. Only from Jews believe the story actually happened. Uh, or maybe, uh, what do you call it? Uh, from Christians and Muslims. Because they believe the Bible. But there's no evidence outside of that that there was ever a Moshe uh, we don't know which power it was supposed to be, and that the Jews were Mamish in Egypt. You don't have that. And it's a problem. And people write books on it, and this and that and the other. For some stupid reason, the invasion of Shishak uh, into Judah and the capture of all these cities is in the archaeology. No, is that we have evidence for? There certainly was a king named Shishak or Shoshank. Uh, he was one of the pharaohs. He was uh, from Libya. So he was a Libyan mercenary 
one of these generals who rose to power, the Pharaoh before him was kind of weak, which would comport with the story that he was friends with Shlomo Melch. Uh, you know, that was the, the father of Bas Paro. I mean, she caused a lot of trouble in him, but I'm just saying from the power point of view, you know, the the, the Pharaoh before him was, was not strong. But Shishak was a tough general, and he rose to power and united Egypt under his, you know, Shtarkai, as we say. And um, it's very interesting, his connection with the Jews, because he clear, clearly and successfully uh, worked to undermine the Jewish unity and play one off against the other. In the Septuagint version of the Bible, Shishak uh, was the uh, father-in-law of Yerubim. You hear that? Those, when Yerubim ben Avot ran away from Shlomo, that's part of the story, because Shlomo wanted to kill him because he gave him Musser. So he ha- found refuge in Egypt. And one of the old versions of the Bible, notice in the in the Targum Shivim, it says that Shishak, the king of Egypt, gave him his sister as, as a wife. So that's great. So not only Shlomo had a boss pile, but then Yerobim did. And that's probably a big influence in making a golden cap or whatever. And that was a good move on Egypt's part to introduce a split among the Jews. The hell with them. They won. It succeeded brilliantly. You understand? Divide and conquer. When the Jews were united, all 12 tribes, 13 tribes under one guy, that was a power. They could take on Egypt. But if you break them into two... You can play A off against B. That's exactly what he did. And when the right moment arose, listen closely. Shishak, and this is all in archaeology. You can Google it. Shishak invaded Yehuda and then Yisrael and devastated everything. In other words, there was a tremendous Churban that took place five years after the death of Shlomo Melch. In which I don't know how many Jews were killed, maybe millions. I, you know, I don't know. But it's tremendous devastation by Mitzrayim. Here's like payback for Pesach. Get it? By Mitzrayim, because, well, we're told, first of all, because he could do it. And it's pretty clear to us, because Gam Kadisha Yisrael, because the Jews now picked up the sexual things from Egypt, which they had not done when they were in Mitzrayim. And apparently, there's like a, a certain uh, mathematical equivalency over here. No Arias, no connection with Egypt. Yes, Arias, Egypt comes and attacks you, or you end up going back to Egypt. Something isn't that a, isn't that remarkable? Now, Shishak or Shoshank, uh, which is what the Egyptians call him, uh, left a uh, famous account and a, uh, a uh, like a carving in the wall, which is extraordinary. It's in Temple of Karnak. And if anybody's interested in what I'm talking about, just Google Shishak, you know, S-H-I-S-H-A-K, or in Hebrew, Shishak, and go for images, you know, and you'll see there's a picture of his victories that he put a monument for his victories in Palestine. I'll say it again. In Yehuda, plus what it doesn't say to Tanakh, for whatever reason, they don't talk about the fact that he invaded and devastated the territory of Yerobim also, even though Yerobim had been his brother-in-law, but, you know, charity, charity, business, and business. This is politics. So, he never really was a brother-in-law. You know, it was all a matter of playing one off against the other. And uh, he used his power to invade and destroy um, Israel. So, if you go to what they call the Bubasite 
uh, cider. You don't need to do that. It's called the Bupa site uh, 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 portal at Karnak. Just do Shishak and images. You'll see a picture on the wall. And if you go and study it, and again, you know, you can do the work on the on the uh, on the internet if you want to. Uh, this is the first physical picture in history of what Jews look like, at least somebody's idea of it, because there's a giant statue, a, a giant picture on the wall celebrating. Uh, celebrating, what shall I say, the victory and the God, the Egyptian God is bringing like the, the prisoners, all of which have a, like a, 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 a chain around each prisoner tied with cords to the God. He's bringing it as tribute to the Pharaoh and he got the hieroglyphics explaining what everything means. And if you look closely, you can see pictures of the Jewish prisoners. It's kind of funny. And I don't know if it's accurate or not. You know, how would somebody know that? But this is the oldest picture physically of what Hebrews are supposed to look like. And he's got pictures there. And the hieroglyphics tell you, this is Megiddo. This is, I don't know, Haifa, you know, whatever whatever the towns are. And you, you have a, a, the funny business that although Moshe and Aaron and Dovid and Shlomo are mentioned nowhere in history, the Shishak invasion of Jerusalem is, is mentioned here. Now, by the way, Jerusalem is not one of the cities mentioned over there, which exactly fits with the biblical account. It's a rare case where you have an archaeological um, thing on the one hand, which pretty doggone much coincides almost totally with the biblical account. Why does it have anything about the base of before? I don't know why. Like, you can't ask a question like that. But it's quite remarkable. And if you care about this subject, you know, different people are different about this. If you care about this subject... You'll uh, you'll want to see what Jews are supposed to look like once upon a time, right? And the Pharaoh's triumph and all the rest of it. He doesn't mention the word uh, Rehavam or Yeravam. He doesn't mention, uh, you know, the word Beis Hamikdash and all this kind of stuff. So it's not exactly the same detail. You have to read all the accounts together. You have to read Malachim and then Diriyam and then and then read the archaeology stuff. It's quite remarkable. But from our perspective today. From the Ruchniyastika perspective, now that we're in Kalmai Pesach, I suppose we think about large uh, meta subjects, I would say overarching subjects of Pesach, you have one heck of a business in which you see by he there was the Kadeshim, and then comes Mitzrayim, which launched a devastating invasion, which most of us don't know about because for whatever reason the Torah didn't go to trouble telling you all about it. It's like Sancherev, but Sancherev were told in much greater detail the devastation that he caused, the killing and all the rest of it. It's very similar to what happened over here, which was that the Egyptian army came, killed the Velta people, crushed cities and all the rest of it. He put up a uh, victory monument in Megiddo. If you look in Egyptology, you know, if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can chase it down and find all the information. And it's also with the Kedeshan. Now, there's another time it happened, and that's time, this is what made me think about this. Or... Haftorah yesterday, what no, Pesach of Yoshio. What happened with Yoshio? He had to knock down the Bate Kadeshim and also the Jung. That's true. And he did do so. And like I said before, he gave it the old school try. And he did his best. We can't fault him on that. He did his best, Yoshio, to get rid of all the Verizor, and especially the sexual business. Uh, ultimately, he was not successful. This, you know, uh, we say every time you do the. Uh, 
Kinos is the first set of Kinos, you know, by Conan Yermiel, Yoshio, and all that stuff. And they talk about the Chatas Hamazuzos, that the people, in spite of the fact that Yoshio tried to, you know, make them from again, but they've been ruined by Menashe, and therefore they wanted the idols, and they wanted all the pervert stuff, and therefore they just did it secretly. The way you say today in drugs, it's, it doesn't do any good for the city to confiscate all the drugs, because as long as there is a demand, <laughs> it'll appear magically the next day. We all know this. The demand is the problem. you got to get to the mind. And what happened? So you have Yoshio, you have uh, all this Kadeshim stuff, uh, and then what happens? Uh, an Egyptian invasion. It's unbelievable. It only occurred to me yesterday. Because how did Yoshio go down? Paro Necho. Tahainu. During the time of Yoshio, the international politics was such, in the Middle East, that the Assyrian Empire had disintegrated on its own. And instead, there were two new um, contenders for superpower in the Middle East, A and B. One was Bavel, led by this new king named Nebuchadnezzar, and the other one was Egypt. And the, Egypt, the leader of Egypt was Parnacho, who was a historical figure. And you all know the story, the Parnacho said like this, I'm on my way to fight a battle against Nebuchadnezzar to see winner takes all. I have to go through Israel only because it's in the way. You can't get from Egypt to northern Syria without going through Israel. But I have, but that's all. I'm just passing through. I'm not going to do anything, so don't bother me. In other words, Paranachob said the same thing that Moshe Rabbeinu said to the king of Edom. Now, only tell you, mean it's small. We're just passing through. And the same way that the king of Edom said, oh no, so we know that Yoshiahu, uh, who was a from guy, he did the same thing and got killed in battle by the Egyptians. And that was the end of any chance for being from Kite to exist in the King of Yehuda. So to me, it's extraordinary because you had the Kadeshim and all this kind of stuff, which expressed itself in a variety of idolatrous practices. I'll tell you again, Asherah really is the sex goddess of the Canaanites. That's what Baal and Asherah. They have all this other stuff, though. The the Melechus Shemayim. I don't have to go into all details. Uh, the king was not successful. I mean, he tried. He wasn't really successful in getting rid of it. What was the result? Mitzrayim will come to you. In other words, the Jews won't go back to Egypt, but the Egypt will go to the Jews. You hear that? And just like, that's the only other time that was, um, that I can think of. You had, uh, in time of Shishak, and you have in the time of Yoshiahu, I believe that's it. Um, and each time it's associated with Kadeshim. It's it's remarkable. Yoshio paid the price and got killed. The Egyptians thereupon put their own guy in as king. In the long run, that was Yoyakim. Uh Yoyakim took the, the Malucha down even worse than it had been before. No, it was Yoyakim was worse than Menasha. Then Amon, then Ochaz, he was the worst. I'm not going to go into details on a podcast of his pervert stuff. It's in the Gemara in, in the last pair of um, Sanhedrin. I did it for art school, by the way. Uh, so notice there you had all this kind of business. And what was the result? The result was that Egypt, you know, messed over the Jews, meaning even after the Pharaoh retreated, because eventually he was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, even after Pharaoh retreated, the, the Egyptians left their cancer, let's put it that way, in the kingdom of Yehuda, and they never got rid of it. And that led, as we know, to the Korban. And what was the result when the Korban was over? 
you have what you call the, the episode of, of um, Gedalia. And when Gedalia was assassinated, Yermio was there. Yermio said, don't go to Egypt. People ran away to Egypt. Isn't that funny? In other words, the Bible ends in a screwball, what's the expression? Coming full circle. The, the, when I say the Bible ends, notice the story of, of Claudius Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael is a story of about a thousand years or so. So they leave Egypt. They spend 40 years crossing the desert. They spend approximately a thousand years in Eretz Yisrael. Some are then captured and take over the bubble. Whoever remains behind with with uh, Gedalia and survives the assassination of Gedalia goes back to Egypt, where they perish. This is all in the book of Yermio, where they perish. So it's a full circle. You started by getting out of Egypt, but you end up going back to Egypt. Why are you going back to Egypt? Because even after the assassination of Gedalia, if you read the book of Yermio, you'll see Yermio says, you know, stay here in Eretz Yisrael and try to, try to stay from it. They say, no, no, we can see now, ever since we stopped worshipping the Melech Shemayim, the Queen of Heaven, which is one of these Egyptian-type gods, uh, our luck has gone bad. Sitter. So basically, they were, if I can use the expression, at the 50th level of Tumah, meaning they even went for the final business. And the result is, okay, so then you'll perish in Egypt the same way that the 80% perished in the Plague of Darkness. So if you want to have a trivia question, if you're a sicko, but uh, you might have that kind of sense of humor. If you want to have a trivia question, what two sets of Jews perished in Egypt in the biblical account? So immediately they'll say like this, oh, the 80% who died in the, in, in the plague of darkness. That's very well known. But then you say, who's the second group? And if the person is learned enough in the Tanakh and knows what I just talked about today, plus the book of Yermiel, they'll say, oh, the survivors after, uh, you know, Gedalia, they ran away and perished in Egypt. They ran away to Egypt for safety, and they all perished there. Right? So you see this uh, devastating equivalency uh, between the Arias on the one hand and the connection with Egypt on the other. To me, that's like a big story. You know, so I don't think people think about it. That's like a big story, that an overarching reality that dominates the Passover narrative and the Cholomoid in the episode afterwards because they're on their way out of Egypt they're on their way out of Egypt. As we all know, they were about to descend in the in the 50th Sharatuma, meaning they were on the verge of, of succumbing to this stuff. If they're on the verge of succumbing to this stuff, it means that the, the bug was in them, so to speak. And as we know, it kind of you know asserts itself later on, uh, which is why it's necessary in Akrimos and Kedoshim to say, stay away from the Mysia, it's Mitzrayim, otherwise the land will spit you out. Anyway, that's just uh, some, uh, I think, rather remarkable uh, thoughts uh, about the connection of Kali Yisrael and Egypt and all, and, and, and Arayis and all the rest of it. And uh, I went a little bit long, but it's okay. It's, it's Chalm Moi Pesach. I want to thank the Gluck family again. Wish them a good time in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, everybody else should have, how do they say, Moadim Simcha. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.